Good morning. Welcome to Mariners Church. Thank you guys for being part of today. Uh, my name is Paul. I am one of the pastors here, and uh, it's had a great, a great time of worship. Um, next weekend is uh, special, um, as we it is uh, Father's Day. Um, actually, this kicks off what I call in my family Father's Week. It starts today. It starts now. They treat me special. That they don't quite celebrate it that way, but for me, it's it's supposed to be. Um, Next weekend, um, we're going to have something special for all, um, all, all people, all of you. Um, we're going to be having ice cream, believe it or not. You can come, you're going to get a scoop of ice cream. It's for everybody. It was uh, uh, grac- graciously furnished by all the fitness centers in Half Moon Bay, so it's a wonderful <laughs> thing to do. So come on out as we celebrate uh, uh, dads and fathers. But actually, uh, uh, we're going to be um, doing something a little bit different up here on stage um, as we're going through a series about God, we're going to talk about and look at the fatherhood of God. And we're going to have um, a person who's part of our church family who's experienced the ups and the downs of being a dad, a fatherhood, and you know, some of his kids have, are, are walking with Christ and some of his kids aren't. And he's had to learn an awful lot about what it's like um, to be a father when kids may not be as close to God as you would want them to be. And so... Um, we're going to look at what he's learned about the fatherhood of God in his own life and how God has had to shepherd him through those times, but to understand um, what it feels like to be a dad in those kinds of situations. So come. Um, I think it'll, it'll be helpful um, for you. It should be a, a really a really a good time uh, for all of us. I have a book on, on my shelf. It's called Children's Letters to God. It's a small uh, little book, and it's, it's, it's cute, and, and it's kids that it's questions that kids have about God and, and about life, and it's, you know, it's one of those, you know, fun and cute little things, and when you read them, you always say what? Aww, you know, aww, like that, and, 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 and here are a few of just some of the ones that are, that are in there. Um, a girl named Lucy said, dear God, are you really invisible, or is that a trick? <laughs> um, this one is about animals. It says, uh, dear God, did you mean for a giraffe? to look like that, or was it an accident? <laughs> if you ever, that. And Dan, Donnie wonders this one, Dear God, is Pastor Co a friend of yours, or you, do you just know him through business? <laughs> Allison, Allison writes this one, Dear God, I read the Bible. What does begat mean? Nobody will tell me. <laughs> Another animal question, um, Dear God, do dogs use you, or do they have somebody else? You know, is there somebody else in their life? And then uh, um, finally this one, um, dear God, is it true my father won't get in heaven if he uses his garage words in the house? So, <laughs> I know where that one's going. Yeah, I mean, I got them too. You know, we all, we all have our little questions that we want to throw at God. You know, why are there mosquitoes? You know, that's a big one. Or Brussels sprouts. You know, when I was a kid, it's why tuna casserole. You know, why do they ruin potato chips and sprinkle them on tuna casserole? And, 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 and we have those kinds of questions. We have also the deeper ones, though. Where is God when it feels like he's not there? You know? Where is God when it feels like life has just turned the, the wrong way? And so what we want to talk about um, this for the next few weeks is, is really questions we have for God, you know, the questions that I would like to ask God in reverence and in, in honest seeking. And um, this morning we're going to talk about and ask God the question, God, how big, how big really are, are you? Can we take a second and pray? So, right now. Um, Father, um, Lord, thank you for your presence with us and your presence in our lives. And help us now in these moments 
to try and grasp the incomprehensible. Um, help us to be opened up to that which is so magnificent and beyond that we could ever, ever imagine. And give me the right words right now. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the big time stories in the Bible that um, most people are, are aware of um, is the Bible story of Moses. Most of you are familiar with that. Either you've seen the uh, uh, Cecil B. DeMille movie that was a bunch of years ago or the cartoon that came out some years ago, which is actually better, I think, um, uh, regarding the uh, Prince of Egypt or Moses itself. And always one of, the, one of the main points is the situation with the burning bush. You've all heard of the burning bush kind of situation? That's where Moses was kind of walking through the desert, shepherding some sheep, and all of a sudden there was a bush that was on fire, and, and what he turned for was it was not being consumed. And therefore, God revealed himself or spoke to him through that manifestation of a, of a burning bush. And what God tells him to do is, is he says, go to Egypt and bring out the nation of Israel. They're held captive there as slaves. There's millions of them. They're there. They're my people. I love them. So, so you're the one I'm asking to go and to bring them out. It's, it's, up, it's up to you. So God says to him, go and appear before Pharaoh and bring out the people. Well, Moses, you know, wants none of that. You know, he's kind of like very reluctant on this and says, Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? He's kind of, you know, freaking out about this whole deal. And God responds. God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I'm the one who sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God at this very mountain. You know, what I'm saying is going to happen. What I'm promising will come about. Well, that's not enough for Moses. In fact, for Moses, it's never enough, and he needs more. Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what's his name? What should I tell them? I mean, what, what's the name? I mean, all the gods of, of Egypt, they have names. I mean, they have names, and they write their names down, and you can pray to this god, you know, Ra, the god of the sun, or Osiris, the god of the dead, or, you know, they have names. What's your, what, what, what's, what's your name? And then comes the famous line, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. And it's famous because the term I am, who I am, is translated from the Hebrew. And, and, and when, when we don't translate it, it would be the word or the term Yahweh. Now, some of you are familiar with that term. Some of you are saying, what? You know, what is that word all about? It's the, it's the word in Hebrew of I am who I am, or I am the self-existent one, or the uncreated one, or I just simply am in presence always and always will be. And sometimes we'll sing songs that will say, you know, you're Yahweh, God Almighty, and that kind of stuff. Well, that's what it is. It's actually the Hebrew word that's not translated. And when you read your Bibles, particularly your Old Testament, whenever you come upon the word the Lord, and Lord is all capitalized, remember you see that? Sometimes we see it so much we don't even notice it. That is actually Yahweh right there. And it could be translated back into the Hebrew Yahweh. And it means actually the self-existent one, the, the I, I am. I am who I am or just I am. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh or I am, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob 
has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now, there's something significant about that name. Um, And what does it mean when he says, though, the name to be used? Any of you bad with names? Any of you bad, bad with names? When you just, God, a lot of you like that. Yeah, you meet someone and they tell you their name and five seconds later, you what? You have no clue. You have no clue of, of what it is. Um, I'm like that. I, re- I really am. Why is that? You, you know why they've concluded it, you're like that? Because you're not very bright. That's what they've concluded on this one. So <laughs> no, other things are going on there. But anyway, names are how we identify ourselves. And if you call someone by their wrong name, it's rude. And God says, here's what I want you to call me. This is the name. I want you to call me Yahweh. Now, now, it's not so much what to call him that if you don't use that term, Yahweh, you're talking to somebody else, okay? If you call me Stephen, I'm not going to pay much attention to you, and I'll probably correct you, okay? But God's not saying this is what you have to say every time you pray. You have to say the word Yahweh. It's the concept that he's talking about. It's the whole idea of the I am who I am concept that he's talking about. It's God incomprehensible being reduced down to trying to, a size that maybe we can begin to try and understand. And within that name are two concepts and probably a lot more, but let's look at two. First of all, that God is eternal. God is eternal. Do you know the number one thing I'm asked for, uh, asked by from, from little kids? And sometimes, you know, a kid will come up, they'll be standing behind their mom, you know, and it's like, you know, little Billy has a question for you, you know, so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get down, I'll say, so what's your question? And, and the question is always this, where did what? Where did God come from? Okay, have you ever had your kids ask that question? Where did God come from? And that's a legitimate question that the that, 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 that kid asks. You know what the number two question I'm asked by kids are? Number one, two? Do dogs go to heaven? You know, do dogs go to heaven? That's the number two question. And you know what my response is always? Dogs do, cats don't. So that's just kind of the way I, I respond <laughs> to things. Now, I, I, I look at that question, and you can think, where did God come from? I mean, where did God come from? Because um, our heads in, in this thing are beginning to spin as we begin to start talking about origins and cause. Um, because in our life, in our world that we have existed in ever since we were born, everything has a beginning and everything has an end, right? I mean, everything has a beginning. Everything has an end. That's just kind of our whole concept of life. Things have beginnings. Things have endings. So, for instance, where do chickens come from? Chickens come from what? They come from eggs, right, right. And where do eggs come from? Oh, now we're in that. Sorry, now the bad cycle. But for instance, flowers come from seeds. We understand that. There's a seed, it becomes a flower, and then it dies, and it's over with. Rivers come from what? They come from creeks, which come from springs, which comes from rain. That's where it comes from. There's an origin for all of that. We understand origin, and we understand conclusion. That's the way our world works. There's a beautiful verse that says this in Psalm 90. It says, before mountains were brought forth, before you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From forever to forever, you're God. Now, tell a child that God has no beginning and that from everlasting to everlasting, he's God, and they don't even have a category for that. There's not even a category in our brains that hold that. You follow that? And I don't even have a category for that. It doesn't work for me. 
Okay? Tell me that space is limitless, that space is ever expanding, and I can't grasp it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. If it's always expanding, what's it expanding what? Into. It's got to be expanding into something, and they'll say nothing. And I'll say, well, that nothing has to be something, you know, because that's the way we would work. And that's the way God is. Before, God just simply is. After, God is. And now we're beginning to understand that concept. God is who he is, and God could simply say in the whole issue of time, I what? I am. You see where it's coming from? Also, not only is it talking about origins and talking about time, it's also talking about the extent of God. You could say that God is limitless, completely limitless. Last weekend, I did my decadal bike ride. Every 10 years, I get a group of friends together, and we get on our bicycles, and we cycle 100 miles. It's just kind of something that we do. I've liked to cycle for a long time in my life. By the way, notice I'm not sitting down very much. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason for that, okay, <laughs> after cycling 100 miles. And, and, I, and I do this every 10 years, and, and <laughs> I realized as I was writing down this thing, you know, because you're, 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 you're just thinking about this stuff, every 10 years I'm going to do it. You know what? In 10 years, I'm not sure I'll be able to do this, you know? Yeah, at some point in time, I'm going to have to say, I can't, I can't do this anymore because I have an end point. I am limited in my abilities. I'm limited not only in my age, I'm limited in my abilities. I have an end point on this planet, and as the miles went by, I have an end point in my energy. I'm beginning to run out. In fact, as I got down there, we, we made it, hooray, you know, we're down in Monterey, and, 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 I'm, and I'm talking to my wife, at least we're loading our bikes in, and, and, and I'm not functioning particularly well at the time. I'm a little loopy, you know? I told Lisa, Lisa, I'm not thinking straight right now. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little bit loopy. And, and, you know, like I'm taking off bike wheels when I don't need to take off bike wheels, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and so I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm goofy and I'm not thinking straight. And I told her, I don't think I've ever been like this before. She looked at me and she said, yeah, you have. Yeah, you have, yeah. <laughs> I am limited and my limitations are increasingly evident to me. God's limitless and always has been and always will be. I'm limited by time and by space. We say I can't be in two places at one time. God can. How can God do that? It's because God is. God always is. And he would say because I always am, I, what's the, what's the concept? I am. I just am. And God responds to people who are trying to figure him out. God reveals himself to us, and that's now the limitless mercy and the limitless love of God who now responds to people that he creates. He's not capricious. He's not blowing back by the wind based upon your behavior. His love is limitless. God says this, To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Not a single star is missing. So why do you say, Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He'll not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. God infinite, God limitless. God who says, I what? I am. Garth Brooks sings the song about unanswered prayers. Um, and uh, he sings this, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the, you know the song? To the man upstairs, you know, the man upstairs. And I like the song, and it's, a, it's got an interesting uh, um, um, subject matter. Cringe a little um, when he talks about the man upstairs. I get it, I understand that. He's not the man upstairs, though. Because actually, my life is shaped by the kind of God I worship, how I view God. My life, my whole life is shaped like that. And that's got to be true. And for some people, it's like, yeah, I'm just a man upstairs, you know, just kind of familiar with him there. Or some people think he's an old man God, you know, portrayed in these paintings. He's kind of out of touch and doesn't understand things like DNA or the complexities of life. Or some think he's like a sheriff God just waiting for you to screw up so he can you know, come down and smack you down. Um, is your God limitless, eternal, all-knowing, all-caring? So on this bike ride, we're, we're going down this backcountry road south of Santa Cruz, and an accident had just happened. An accident just happened maybe two, three minutes before we got there. Okay, just just is right there. And so, you know, they're trying to just, you know, people are still standing around. The cars are beginning to stack up. And, 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 and as we, we, we got there, it was a pickup truck had just slammed into an RV. And both had went off the side of the road and one spun around. And, and you could tell both things were, were totaled. And, and, and um, we had to walk around the whole scene because just both vehicles were demolished. Everyone was safe. You know, we didn't just simply blow by him like good Samaritan stuff. You know, we didn't do that. And, 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 and as we, 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 we got on, you know, we heard the sirens were coming, and so there was no need for us to stay. And I, I, I was, as I got on my bike and rode, I thought to myself, the God that these people have will determine what they do and how they feel in the next few minutes, hours, and days. You understand that? Because when these tragedies in life happen... One of the first things we talk about is, where is God now? Where is God in all of this? And that's the behind-the-scenes question, because we will always ask, when push comes to shove, where's God in all this? Why doesn't God take care of me? Why doesn't God do more for me in, in this? The God that these people have will determine how they respond, how they feel, how they act in the next few hours, day, years how they respond to each other, how they deal with the whole situation, how they process this whole thing. And I thought, is there God absent? Have they absent themselves from God and said, well, you may want a relationship with me. I'm going to kind of do this thing on my own. If so, it's going to be a very hard few months for them. Is there God not aware of this event? Or will they go to the God who's timeless and limitless and knew this and say, this God has a solution to my problems. And even through this, even through the pain and the hassle and all of this, he's working for good. And I can't see it and I don't know it, but he's the God I trust because he is. 
I can have peace and trust in all of this. There's a reference in your insert um, to a video clip. It's an astounding um, um, video clip on YouTube. It's Pastor Louis Giglio, and he's speaking at a conference, and he talks about the universe, and he talks about us, and he talks about God and the greatness of God. And I I chose not to show it here because, um, A, it's about eight minutes long, and we're kind of running close on time. And the second reason is he's so good that you'll never listen to me again. You'll just listen to him from now on because he's a great, great speaker. And so you've got to watch this whole deal. But what he's going to do is he's going to point out where we live in, in this thing called the Milky Way galaxy, you know, where we live in this little tiny outskirts of the Milky Way galaxy. And, and when, you, when you see uh, what scientists, because we can't get outside the Milky Way galaxy yet, think the Milky Way galaxy looks like, he'll say we're, we're right here. You know, we're right here, and you just think, holy cow, we're not even in the middle of this thing. We're not even close. We're just almost seemingly insignificant. And, and, and then it begins to move away farther farther back, and you'll see stars and stars and stars. And he'll even say, okay, our solar system at this point in time, solar system is nothing but a pixel on the screen. You know, show that screen. I mean, we're, just, we're just tiny, tiny. Carl Sagan, um, the, the atheist, he saw this pale blue dot called Earth. You know, as he was looking at these pictures of all this, and and um, he called Earth this, a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. And I think, uh-huh. how in the world can you have hope in that kind of a situation? A tiny speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. David from his perspective, looking from earth up at the stars. He said this, when I look into the night sky and see the work of your fingers, God, the moon and the stars you set in place. And what he's saying is, look, go outside some night when it's not foggy. Go outside some night and look at the stars. Walk down to the beach when the moon's not out. And it's amazing what you'll see. And you will feel very, very small. But listen to what David says. He says, when I look into the night sky and see the work of your fingers, moon, the stars you set in place, who are we that you should think about us? We are just so small, and yet you care about us. And you can personalize it taking the limitlessness of God and the eternity of God and realizing that he specifically knows you, personally cares about you. The I am says, I know you. I think about you. I can do that because I am. I care about you and I can do that because I am. And with all the complexities of every single issue of every single person that's going on in this room, God says, I know you because I am. I care about you. Who am I that you should think about me? So, so small. Yet you care about me. I'm going to invite you to bow your head with me right now. I would hope that these moments lend yourself to that sense of not just awe, of of a God that is that magnificent but also a 
sense of awe that he loves you so much. If God is perfect in all his attributes, all his qualities, he's perfect in love. He's perfect in mercy. He's perfect in grace. And now that works itself into my life, into my heart. Into years or two, I hope. He's perfect. He knows everything that you've done because he's all-knowing. Loves you just the same because he's all-loving. And maybe you're saying, what about my sin? What about the stupid stuff I've done? perfect in forgiveness and he's perfect in forgiveness because he's made a pathway for us to connect with him through Jesus Christ because God in his perfection is also perfect in his justice and so someone needs to pay for the sins you did so Jesus did that's grace God, thank you that you know us, love us. You know the depth of our heart. You love us. We worship you, Yahweh, the great I am, forever loving.